Okay, so let's move seamlessly now. Sorry to interrupt your ceremony. It's nothing personal. I just want to devour your god. This is like some gravity's reason. M-O-L-M-M. What? M-O-L-M-M. That feels apocryphal, but I'll take it. No, it's true. Don't look it up. Don't look it up. I mean, that is made for undiscerning days. I'll just auto-tune that, put a little guitar solo at the end. Perfect. Please. All right. <laughs> Six hours later. Y'all done got diggly pain. <laughs> Welcome to another stargazing episode of Men of Low Moral Fiber, the show that plays every single Star Wars video game along the way in our attempts to doing an hour-long show about every single LucasArts game ever developed, plus most of the games inspired by and or branching off of LucasArts, and any similar affiliations and or adventure-slash-puzzle-like games that may remind us of anything similar to those childlike feelings of awe and wonder that Jason and I had when playing those games back in the day as kids. That's right. We're coming for you, Rescue on Fractalis. We're oh, coming for you. Gosh, one day. One day. And Ball Blazers. Is that the other oh, one? Oh, Ball Blasters. Ball Blasters? Inappropriate. I'm your host, Ben Helms. And with me, as always, the guy who keeps interrupting me, the Briar Pistol to my Kyle Katarn, my big brother and co-host, Jason Helms. How's it hanging, man? Never call me the Briar Pistol. <laughs> I can't do it either. <laughs> Never call me the Briar Pistol to your Kyle Katarn again. It's disgusting. You're always by it's my filthy. side. Anyway, <laughs> we are uh, we're saddened today. Uh, that Corrigan is not joining us this month. Uh, Corey, I know. We miss her so. It was her one job. She said instead, could she set up a live stream for Oxenfree? How'd that go? And that went so well. So I think we scheduled a redo of that for last Sunday. Yeah. Yeah, it went great. Uh, I don't think I made it. Yeah, maybe holiday next year. I don't know. Maybe the next holiday. Who can know? Maybe Thanksgiving. It'll be our Thanksgiving, spooky Thanksgiving game. Anyway, she came down with a bad case of the fast clicker avoiditis, which Jason knows well. (laughs) Please see month episodes concerning Rebel Assault 1 and 2 and pretty much any flight simulator that we've ever played. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, yeah, we we get it. We we couldn't really skip when it was just us two, but now that there's three people, it's a little easier to take a month off now and then. I'm coming for you, TIE Fighter. I'm not. Someday. You're you're safe, TIE Fighter. You're fine. X-Wing versus TIE Fighter. Someday. We'll get there. I have a feeling Corey won't make that that month. Maybe we'll all take a month off. Take a month. (laughs) We'll make make Nick and Richard play it, and they'll host an episode. (laughs) They'll talk to each other about it. Yeah, it'll be great. Anyway, Corey will be back next month uh, because she picked next month's game, so I hope she'll play it and come back. Fingers crossed. But we'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, Yeah, we are talking about the 2002 Star Wars epic... Jedi Outcast. What's the full name, Jay? Jedi Knight Two, Jedi Outcast. Dark Forces Five. It, I don't. I, I think it's Star Wars <laughs> Jedi. I think they dropped Dark Forces. 4. Oh, that's I'm sad. Trying to remember. It's sad. But what, it would be I've like Dark Forces Four or Five by yeah. this point, right? Star Wars Jedi Knight Two colon Jedi Outcast. Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! It has the word Jedi twice in the title. Awesome. I love it. So we'll get to development. We'll talk first. Uh, we'll talk about where this sits in the Star Wars canon. All the cool names that it has. And how confusing that is if we haven't covered that enough in the past. Uh, and then we'll get into our cheat code filled playthroughs. Uh, we'll talk about what it was like playing on uh, PC versus playing on Switch. We'll talk about uh, what's the drink, what's the song. And then, of course, we'll tell you about what else we've been playing. And, of course, what Corey picked for next month's game. So let's go. All right, Jay, you did most of the research. I'll start it off by saying this game was developed or this game was released in March of 2002. Then released again for Steam in 2009, and then Switch and PS4 a few weeks ago uh, in fall of 2019. Uh, but Jay, take us back to 2001, 2002. Tell me how this game got started. You're not wrong, Ben. It sure was released in 2002. Yes. Back in a simpler time when a game could be developed in 10 months. 
that's about how long it took. Wow. Uh, and I listened to a great Game of Sutra um, interview with them where they were talking about what do they – we'll talk about the individual developers in a second, but had four of them and they were talking about what do you miss most about that time period in game development. And the thing they missed most was that you could make a game in 10 months. Wow. Um, so uh, developed in – or uh, released in 2002. Uh, some big kind of markers for this game when it came out. It was around the same time that KOTOR was coming out. Uh, mm-hmm. LucasArts was kind of hitting its heyday and also kind of on the downswing. Right? A lot of KOTOR similarities. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think the biggest one is neither of these were developed by LucasArts. Right. They were farmed out to other companies to make Star Wars IP. And that kind of slowly farming out of things uh, became a trend. And you slowly see the main people at LucasArts leaving during this time period. Uh, the late 90s, early 2000s. Yep. And so we get a very different style of game during that era. This was really exciting to people when it came out. Uh, the Dark Forces series, of which Jedi Knight was the sequel, uh, was very popular. But the big takeaway, for, there's two big takeaways, I think, for um, Outcast and kind of what it did for the series and for Star, War ga- Star Wars games uh, in particular. Uh, the first was the multiplayer was much better in this than in previous games mm-hmm. uh, and much more popular. And second, uh, lightsaber battles. I've heard multiple sources, I've read multiple sources that said that uh, Jedi Outcast did lightsaber combat better than any Star Wars game before or since. Hmm. Now, since I've played Jedi Knight Outcast, uh, I disagree. Um, but maybe that's because I'm bad at lightsaber combat. We'll get to that. But people do feel strongly about that. They really like the lightsaber combat in this game. Interesting. I would say throwing a lightsaber is really fun. That was so much fun. But uh, I like God, I loved I loved using lightsabers on people that didn't have lightsabers. Mm. That was really fun. Yeah. Just cutting through them like cheese. That was fun. Um Great. God, that was good. Some really cool things about it. it had a huge modding community. Uh and in fact when LucasArts was sold or closed, actually not sold, Raven went out. Raven was the uh company that developed this and released the entire source code online on GitHub. Wow. Uh shortly afterwards they pulled it. Because there was some yeah. proprietary stuff in there. But somebody else had already forked the files, removed the pri- the um, proprietary stuff, and maintained it that way. I'm going to guess that there had to be at least somebody on the inside there to know which sections had the proprietary stuff in it. Uh, but that's how it happened. Anyway, that that project of keeping um, kind of a, an open source version of Jedi Knight uh, Outcast going uh, was called OpenJK. And it's... It's not only still going, it's still having weekly releases. That's insane. Uh, to fix bugs. Wow. Uh, and it's not even a modding thing. All it's trying to do is make sure that it'll work on um, you know, most current uh, OSs and things like that. Putting them onto other OSs, making sure that it fixes bugs and things like that. I mean, it's, it's pretty, um, it's kind of boring work in a sense, but it's, it's real commitment by fans. Is it just for this game or is that for all of the, like, the Jedi Knight games? I believe it's just for this game. Wow. From what I could tell. That's incredible. Um, I just spent a few minutes looking at, looking through it. Yeah. Uh, they are still having weekly releases, but the last Mac release was in 2018. Uh, but the PC is still getting weekly releases. I'd like to meet the person who does right? that. Or people. Or, yeah, a group of people. That's an insane. De- like, we record one podcast a month yeah. and play a video game. Like, it's not, most months it's not even work. You know what I mean? Like, this is stuff yep. we would want to be doing anyway. But they're doing weekly stuff. They're not getting paid by anyone. They're getting very little acclimation. Like, good for them. Go those people. So uh, one of the things that is going on there, and I, I don't know the people behind that, um, is that uh, game devs like to do this stuff, right? It is their fun. Uh, 
um, in a similar sense, like you, you called this fun and it's not work, um, but you're a sound engineer. And so some of the stuff you do for work, you're Fair also point. doing for fun. Fair point. And it's even the editing of it is enjoyable. Yeah. And I stress that because uh, the designers really wanted this to be open to the modding community. And the reason behind that was that they all got into game design through modding. And so they wanted to keep that going. That's awesome. They also talked about creating mods themselves for the games that they had developed. So one of them talked about adding a, uh, a flying mod that they had created. Uh, now, that was funny to me because you're the game developer. Right. In what sense can you possibly be modding? It's like, no, he just became part of the modding community and like added this. Thought it would be a fun thing to do. Jeez. And so it's, it's just kind of an interesting way of like that, that community. I'm, I'm not sure exactly, but there is a little bit the membrane between developer and modders evidently a little bit more uh, permeable than I had thought. Especially because those people aren't working for that same company, whether it's LucasArts right. or uh, Ra- not Raven. What's it called? Raven? Yep. I mean, th- those, those companies or those departments are all defunct at this point. So if this was their passion, this was a game they spent 10 months on of their life. You know, I mean, that makes sense that they'd still be dedicated to it. Yeah. Uh, one thing they did to make it really open to modders was set all the config files, all the external configs in text format so that you could really easily just jump in and start editing wow. stuff. That's awesome. Um, which is just, that's, that's a really nice thing to do to say, like, we, we are dreaming of the millennial game dev who is coming behind us and how they might get into this. And it, it could be our game that does it. Anyway, it had a great modding community, still does. There's still people making mods for it. Um, and uh, that's that's just exciting and cool. Uh, so Raven made the original for PC, uh, and Vicarious Visions did the original console ports because it was ported to uh, PlayStation 2 and um, Xbox. And then Asper, A-S-P-I-Y-R, sorry, A-S-P-Y-R. Asper? Asper um, did the Switch port. I'd like to point out that they are not real great at responding to bug reports from yours truly, but, um, you know, seem like nice people nonetheless, I guess. I got thoughts, thoughts and feelings. Yeah, we'll get there. Um, so the big names here are Steve Raffle and uh, Kevin Childer were the project leads. The uh, design lead was Chris Foster. And Chris Foster and three other people, the next three names I'm going to give you, were involved in an interview with Game of Sutra this year uh, talking about the making of Jedi Outcast. Kind of, oh, I didn't realize that was from this year. Yeah, kind of as the Switch game was getting, coming out. It had oh, just been nice. announced. I think it was back in June or July. By the way, people are loving it on Switch. Really? Yeah, it's gotten like a whole new life. I, I feel like I've, I just started searching for like like walkthroughs and stuff while I was playing it for certain levels. Yeah, and all of a sudden my whatever my recommended or my feed on YouTube was full like full of people playing it, and I'd watched a couple of reviews, and it seemed like all of them were positive. Okay, so uh, Metacritic to get your Switch review for Switch less so. Oh, interesting. Uh, okay, it had it sixty five. Maybe these people got the Steam codes or not Steam, Switch codes or whatever for it, and they're. They feel beholden, but uh, they seem like it was pretty positive. Maybe. I, I think that the it's just got an intense fandom. Yeah, that, yeah, that's true. I, I would imagine that we're going to get some flack for people for the, the kind of negatives that we're going to offer around this game. Mm. Not to spoil too much of the gameplay section. Sure, sure, sure. So yeah, uh, Chris Foster, design lead, and then he was interviewed with three others. Uh, Eric um, Beesman, game concepts, Mike Gummelt, a programmer, and James Monroe, the lead programmer. So the four of them were all talking with Game of Sutra about um, just kind of the entire process of making it, especially the difficulty of making the lightsaber work. They had a real goal of making it work in first person because they got it to work well in third person, but they found that it was kind of never quite as good in first person. And they had a lot of interesting issues with that. So one thing is uh, you can do this cool force roll when you um, have the lightsaber. Did you try that, Ben? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Uh, did you do that in first person? I almost always did third person. Yeah. So if you switch over to first person, it actually it works fine. It looks good. But evidently at first that was a real issue because what would happen is the camera would just spiral. I love it. I as you love did. it. I'm sure I did it because the camera just stayed straight whenever, whenever I did yeah. it. So. Yeah. Yeah. They, they just un- unhooked the um, camera from the sprite and had it like hover just in front of the, uh, the character. Awesome. But I was looking at uh, a Kotaku article that uh, uh, talking about, I guess it was April 2013, the day that Disney closed on the, the buyout or whatever of, of Lucas and everything and LucasArts included. And they, well, no, they closed LucasArts, I guess. Yeah. Uh, and it talked about ra- how that day Raven released the source code. Mm-hmm. And like, I think a day later, it was like mysteriously disappeared. Yeah. Like they took it down. So I don't know if it was yeah. like some like rogue developer at Raven did it. Did you get to the bottom of that? No. Or if no. it was like they did it on purpose or it was just like, oh, we were not a company or I guess they were a company because it wasn't. From, that what, from what I read, the understanding was that when they put it up, they thought it, that they had that they owned everything they were putting up mm. and that they realized that there was there literally were some sections that they had used a third party set uh, some code from a third party. Oh, so it wasn't like a Disney like. Uh, no, no, no. no. Oh, OK. Uh, which is why people removed just those sections of code. Got it. Got it. Got and it. then we're able to put Re- it back up. Rebu- oh, cool. Okay. I got it. Okay. That people knew which sections to pull when they forked it tells me that whoever was involved was there. You know, this may have been the same person, the same person, right. Or the same group or whatever. That makes sense. Okay. I'm there. Sorry. For, thanks for the clarification. Yeah. No worries. Um, okay. so, uh, I mentioned what they missed about, um, that era of game development, uh, shorter dev cycles, and also just smaller dev teams where you could walk across the hall and talk to an artist. Um, the, uh, they talked about the having access to the uh, LucasArts Star Wars archives, going to Skywalker Ranch, um, having oh, lunch with George Lucas, uh, being told that they weren't allowed to look at, at him or talk to him. No. Um, yes. What? Yes. Yes. Oh, man. I've looked at him. Fantastic. I've looked at him so much. Yep. So many times. <laughs> at that Borders Books. Yeah. At Piatti's. Piatti, yeah. Oh, man. Good times. Okay. One other thing, and then the transition to gameplay. Mm-hmm. The animation movement in the cutscenes is keyed to the voice actor volume so that their heads move more when the con- dialogue is more intense. Why? So that they didn't have to program the movement. I'm sure that saved a lot of time, but that just yep. seems like that wouldn't always work. I mean, I guess I didn't notice it. Time and memory. Yeah. They're going for smaller games. They're, you know, they're worried about disk space and things like that. In 2002, that makes sense. Yeah. But I, it just seems like that would make for a lot of really awkward cutscenes. Yep. And they're like, Jan, no. And he's like shaking his head crazy. I love you so much. They talked about that as, as one example of a programmatic solution that allowed them to save memory and um, time. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, time, just uh, work hours to put it in, for us, of course, too. Yeah. Uh, the other thing they said was at the time, the mantra of game design was harder is better. Right. And if you look at, um, like, especially just gaming ads from the times, I, I've got a, a friend online on, on Twitter, Jess Morissette who's uh, often looking at uh, game ads from the 90s and 2000s, and they're all super intense. Everything's extreme. You're the most hardcore gamer ever. This joystick will dominate the competition. Like, it's just really aggressive and weird. Nice. And you get that that impression of, like, harder is better because, look, I can beat this really hard game. I'm amazing. I'm really cool. But they they jokingly called this the Dark Souls of Star Wars games. Wow, yeah, and I like that. that. Helps that makes me feel a little better. And we this is actually we have like a uh, kind of a hole in our I guess video game chronologies, and it's for both of us like two thousand four to two thousand eight. Yeah, for you too, right? It's around the same. Yeah, my college years and yours, your grad school years. 
Yeah, mine's probably a little wider. I I think Max Payne number one was the end of that cycle for me. Like I remember playing the heck out of that game. Like two thousand to two thousand eight. Yeah, yeah. Mine's like two thousand four, two thousand two, something like that was the end, and then. Uh, coming back and like really coming back hard only with this podcast, like 2014 ish. Yeah. It's been a nice excuse to go back and play all these games that are in that big kind of hole that we missed. And this, obviously the beginning of that KOTOR one and two, obviously the beginning of that. So these games totally passed by and it was also right after the prequels or I guess right in the middle of the prequels. 2002 would be uh, attack of the clones. And so it felt like both of us were getting a little uh, jaded or whatever, you know, kind of growing out of the kid movie stuff and also just being like, oh, maybe Star Wars isn't as good as I remember. Yeah. Kind of that conflict within us uh, that we were you know, trying to figure out if we should even address or just deny it. Yep. Um, and there's just so many games and so many toys that we this definitely passed over. So it's nice to be able to go back and play uh, this game, which I don't think I would have given it the time of day, even if like my best friend had been like, hey, you have to play this, just because it, it was really hard. Really hard. Let's get into the gameplay. Let's do it. All right, so you started. I think you actually finished the whole game before I started it, which was I, I love so. it when that happens because yep. I can just ask you any questions. Yep. But I think the thing you turned me on too quickly was like, "Hey, feel free to uh, play this without uh, cheats, but also maybe, uh, maybe, maybe don't feel bad using cheats." <laughs> oh my gosh, I cheated so hard and yeah. so often. Oh my gosh, um, I really tried to play without them for a while. Um, mm-hmm. The the first level got me a bit. Um, uh, just the complexity of um, the puzzles and things while you're constantly being shot at. Oh my gosh, yeah. But the thing that really got me was just the Switch controls. They're really imprecise. I uh, tried so, on Switch for about 20 minutes and was like, well, that was $10. I'll never get back. Yeah, it's, it's just unplayable. Yeah. I, I think it's it's completely unplayable. But you did it. Switch. I did it. I switched. I made the Switch over to Steam after a half hour because I couldn't do it. I, I can't wait to hear about your experience yeah. because like, yeah, I would do this thing. I I just could not shoot people. Like I'd be on God mode. I'd be, I'd be, you know they can't hurt me. But I just keep getting hit, and it's like, okay, slightly move the joystick a little to the right. No, too far. Little, yeah, not that, too far. Auto aim would help with that. There's not, but there's not. There is auto aim. Oh, there is. I didn't get that. Yeah, it's still not as good. Like oh, it okay. still can't do it. It's yeah, it's, still, it's, like, it's real still twitchy. Just not precise enough. It's very yeah. twitchy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and I, I, I've heard that it's that way on all the consoles. I think the switch might be the worst, but the consoles are a really bad way to play this game. Mm-hmm. They consistently mm-hmm. got lower reviews mm-hmm. and people talked about controls being tough. Uh, it really was meant for a, a mouse and keyboard. Um, yeah. I think that's, that's the biggest issue there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, I will say the switch port looks gorgeous. I really love the look of this game. Oh, nice. Um, that, that era of game to me is just so beautiful and simple and they really kind of knocked it out of the park where, I think of this as, you know, PS2 era graphics and so many of those PS2 era graphics look so overly polygony. And if you think of this as coming out at the same time as KOTOR. Totally. Looks very similar. You know, KOTOR doesn't have anything close to, I I think, the definition. Yeah. Just the the clarity of these models. They just look really clean and crisp. Especially the cutscenes. Yeah. All that stuff. Yeah. In, In game, I'd say they're pretty dang similar. Yeah, uh, maybe I haven't looked at them side by side, so maybe my Kotor memory is, is less than ideal. But I think it actually has to do with more of the art design and things like that than the um, kind of capabilities that they they chose the right polygons to put in, so that things didn't look blocky. 
was really good. Yeah. Let's uh, talk about the plot of the game. Oh, you know, I was just that's exactly what I was going to say. We haven't even talked about what the game's about. It's about Jedi Outcast. Uh, Where does this lie in... Now it's just Legends, right? It's not actually canon anymore since Disney bought it. Because they made the movie uh, Rogue One out of it, but sure. They made the movie after Dark Forces, exactly, which we played. Go see our episode about that. It's true. And then there's Dark Forces 2 Jedi Knight. And then there's Jedi Knight 2... Right, Jedi Outcast. Yes, I'm just laughing. It's hilarious. Jedi, yeah, it's it's an insane n- uh, n- numbering system. But anyway, Jedi Outcast. So, uh, do you even remember? Should we even say like last we saw Kyle? Sure, uh, he was becoming a Jedi. When last we saw Kyle, depending on which route you took, because there was the dark side and the light side, uh, which is missing in this game. game. Notable, gone. Which makes sense. The, the like we talked about in that episode, the, the dark side. I think I went dark. And you went light, I think we did. Um, and if I remember, the light side is just a much better story. The game was definitely built to have the light side and dark side, which is kind of like, you rule the galaxy, the end. And it's not really, there's not really like any fulfilling plot between you and other characters at all. Right. It's cool to rule the galaxy, I guess. But, oh, yeah. you know, there's, there's no like reuniting with your dead dad as a hologram and like others, you know, I think you and Jan get like your faces etched into like the mountainside of a Jedi temple or something. Yeah. And you laugh at each other. <laughs> it's so great. <laughs> Awkward kiss. Um, yeah. But yeah, keep going. Kyle Katarn becomes a Jedi. And apparently he's cast out of the Jedi temple in Yavin. Yeah. So Jedi Knight ends with Kyle Katarn finding the Jedi temple battling the bad guy don't ask me uh in the jedi temple and like he has now saved the jedi temple which is where all of the i'm sorry the valley of the jedi that's yeah. what it's called yes 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 uh where all the jedi power is from and, and nobody can know the location of the valley of the jedi because if they did they would get all the jedi power this another kotor mix is this reminds me of the valley of the not valley of ashes what's the thing in kotor 2 where's the valley of so the dope. sith yeah maybe something something like that where the the first 10 hours of this game, whatever they kept saying Valley of the Jedi. I was like, is that the same place where you go through all those like Sith challenges or Jedi challenge, whatever it is. Anyway, another KOTOR connection. Keep going. God, KOTOR is good. So, um, thank you, Richard Nile. Yes. So, um, he, uh, he is just kind of a, a Jedi in full. Uh, evidently I, and we haven't played the, uh, spinoff mysteries of the Sith where, uh, Jedi or where, uh, Kyle teams up with Mara Jade who is like one of the coolest characters ever yes. just lost to continuity, unfortunately. Luke's wife, legend. right? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, they battle it out, uh, hang out, have some good fun. And, uh, it ends with a climactic duel between the two of them where he discovers that he has been, uh, corrupted and turned to the dark side. And he is about to kill Mara Jade. And then at the last second puts down his lightsaber and says, I can't do it. I can't. And he comes back to the light side and it's all going to be awesome. good. Awesome. Um, so in between, what evidently happened was Kyle decided, you know, I can't be a Jedi. It's, uh, there's darkness within me. I, I can't go down this path. And he went back to uh, the only life he knows, that mercenary way. Um, you know, the, the good path of being a mercenary and taking money to murder people. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But he's, he's doing it for the Republic. So, you know, it's, doing it's it probably doing it with Jan, chill. you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And very clearly doing it with Jan. Fair enough. They, they make that part. There's no question there. Uh, like so Lando and L337? L337? Oh, yeah, man. Name. Good time. So they get a call from um, Mon Mothma. Mm-hmm. And uh, Mon Mothman says, um, mm-hmm. you know, hey, go. Uh, no, no, not, not. No, Mama Mothma. Mama Mothma. Yeah. Uh, says, uh, hey, uh, some funny business going on down here. Uh, some some crystals, maybe some kyber crystals. I don't know. Ooh, anyway. Kyber crystals. So, uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> goes and uh, they, they go off to check it out. You go through some training levels. And uh, along the way, uh, just as you save the day, you meet this weird lizard dude named Dasan. Dasan, which is a cool name, I will say. It's cool. There's a lot of Star Wars names that I'm like, really? It reminded me of Dasani Water every time I heard it. I'm so sorry. Not as cool. I know. Not yeah, as cool, cool as Dasan. Dasan, yeah, he's a crazy like T-Rex Jedi. Was, that was awesome. He was good. Yeah. He was really good. Um, oh, I loved his backstory, too. He had been rejected by his people. And then he comes to the Jedi Academy and then uh, he he ends up rejecting everyone else because he's worried that they'll reject him. Like, it's this this great psychological wow. thing. Like, nice. I, I really liked it. Oh, I'd um, love to see like a Jedi outcast Doki Doki about that. Oh, I would I would play <laughs> slash read that. Dark. So, yeah. That so um, there's some weird, gross fridging of Jan. Uh, fridging is shorthand yes. for um, when a work of art decides to kill off the uh, female love interest or uh, family member of the main character to spur the main character into action. Named after when um, Green Lantern's girlfriend was killed and put into a fridge. Yeah. Uh, and you can say like, okay, that's a weird reference, but literally being put into a fridge has happened like half a dozen times. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. For whatever reason, putting women in fridges is a thing that uh, comic writers and video game creators love to do. I will say though, if you are, you know, if you see that and you're like, I wish Jan had more of a personality or like brain or anything like that, uh, go watch this uh, tiny film that came out a couple years ago called Rogue One. Boom! All about Jan. They actually changed her name to Jin in that one. Solid movie. She's a great character. Not getting fridged in that one. Not getting fridged. Yep. Dark Forces Seven, Jedi Knights Three. Jan's not getting fridged. <laughs> exactly. Electric Boogaloo. Don't worry. Don't worry, uh, intrepid listener. She comes back later. She was fine because she was killed off screen. Uh, so then Kyle has to go back and regain all of his force power. He goes to the Jedi Temple to get more forcey uh, and then goes on a quest to battle Dasan and find Jan. He releases Jan um, and then goes back to the Jedi Temple where Dasan has mounted an army because he got the powers from the Jedi Valley. And uh, yeah, then they fight and you got to go through a swamp and it's it's weird. Yep. Accurate. Yeah. The, I guess the plot, once you start the game, is pretty quick. You chase after Dasan. Yeah, the levels are long. The plot's not all that complex. 24 levels, is that what we said? Yeah. One of yeah. the coolest things that, that we didn't mention is that the levels flow together. I'd yeah. say 90% of them. Yep. You you like, you like leave this part of the the ship, and you go to a new part, or you get on your ship, and you go, and that's the next level. And it it almost is like this like single cut, or what what's it called? Um, one shot. Uh, yeah, it's like a one shot. In the sense that, like, there are no cuts. You're just following Kyle around from ship to ship, and the level just happens. It gives you, gives you the stats for your previous half hour or so, and you just keep going. It's not like this huge cut scene, and like you're on a new planet all of a sudden. But it feels very natural, like the whole game, the kind of the flow of the plot and where Kyle goes. And that's very FPS. Um, I believe uh, Wolfenstein, Doom, uh, the original Dark Forces all did that. Golden Eye. Uh, yeah, there would be times where there were jumps. But for the most part, with a first-person shooter, you get in an elevator and go to the next level. Right, 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 yeah. Yeah, Goldeneye, you end the first level and you're in a bathroom. Kind of, you know, and you end that one and you're in a, on the, the I'm not going to go through all the Goldeneye levels. Okay, here we go. So, <laughs> oh, should we get into kind of when we started playing the game and how uh, fun it was? Uh, sure. You, I felt like there were quotation marks around the word fun there. There were, uh, yeah. You, okay. can, you couldn't hear slash see them over this audio medium? Oh, there's so many things I love about this game. Yes, really, let's do that. Really let's jump into that. Yeah. Let's be optimists here. The game 
was really fun. Some really cool puzzles. The level design is phenomenal. Yes. Yeah, really good level design, definitely. Um, some some hidden switches that were a little frustrating to find, uh, but there was never a time when I felt like, hey, pre-internet or early internet, I would never have found this kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like, there's, yeah. If I looked long enough, I would have found stuff, even if I wasn't looking at a walkthrough. Uh, kind of the thing we go back to in this podcast is our ideal game is a game that you and I and a friend or two or whatever, if we're playing this all together, we'd be able to kind of put our heads together. Just like in middle school, we, when we play these games on our own, we come back to school and talk at recess with our friends who were playing this game. And we kind of help each other solve these puzzles that we were stuck on in day of the tentacle or uh, maniac mansion, whatever it might be. So I feel like this game really lives up to that scrutiny of the, just like with a group of friends, I feel like we could solve every puzzle in this game. Yeah, the puzzles are tough in the sense that they sometimes require uh, a lot, re- repeating the level a few times, like looking all the way through the level to find a switch you missed. Um, yeah. They're not super intuitive, but remember what we were talking about earlier about the, um, at the time, the goal was the harder the better, right? People want to get right. more gameplay. You may only get three or four games in a year, and you want that, entire, that game to last all of that time. Uh, the reason you went and started modding was because you ran out of things to do. That's a good point. I, what Red Dead's like eighty hours or whatever, and it was it was honestly a really sad day when I finished that eighty hour, which for me was like one hundred and fifty because I was doing a completionist. But still, like I, you know, it took me a couple months and I finished it and I was like, well, my favorite game of all time is done. <laughs> yep. So I get the idea of wanting to make the game hard. Yeah. That 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 I guess um, rationale makes more sense thinking yeah. of it that way. Yeah. And then. Um, the one thing I really like about it that I didn't appreciate till now as I'm thinking back on it is that the enemies don't respawn. So as you're working through a level, imagine that you're you're having to figure out this really difficult puzzle and you're going yeah. all the way back and forth through the level a few times. The areas you walk back through don't have enemies in them anymore if you've taken them all out. Yeah. And so a lot of times the way you'd solve a puzzle in this game is you go to a new area, You'd figure out where's all the blaster fire coming from, and you'd systematically kind of just take out every single person in that entire area. Right. And just clear area, clear area, clear area, and then kind of solve the puzzle. Um, and that that was something from Dark Forces I remember being really frustrating because yes. the levels were huge, and yeah. they would respawn, so you'd be like, I could have sworn I killed this guy already. And yeah. that, those being tough because of that. That's a good point. And uh, because I used cheats, I actually figured out how some of the enemies spawn. So they do spawn, but they don't respawn. And so what I mean by that is... Uh, there will be certain um, kind of triggers in the game that will cause a new um, group of stormtroopers to run down a ramp or something like right, that. Right, 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 right. And it's timed really well. And you don't, you, I didn't notice it until I was cheating, where I would, you know, go through an area. Oh, you go no clipping? Yeah, turn off no clipping. I'd go through an area through the back door, look around, there'd be nobody in there. And then I'd come around and figure out how to open the front door. I'd open the front door, and all of a sudden the stormtroopers would run around the corner. And it was brilliantly done. So you'd never walk into a room and see a bunch of stormtroopers just look over at you. Right. It was always like they heard a noise and they came running. You always got this sense that there was movement, that there was life there. They did a great job of making it feel that way. Negatives on that side, uh, I've seen multiple people complain about the AI, that um, the stormtroopers just have no sense of self-preservation. They're just, you know, running at you straight. I I would actually disagree with that. I mean, maybe maybe the majority of the time that happens. I, it was frustrating even with God Mode on at times where you'd have two and one would right, run right behind you. Yep. And you'd hear him yell half the time, we've got you surrounded. Yep. I thought that was really cool because even in, they couldn't, they literally could not kill my character and it was hard to get them still because they would run behind me. I couldn't just like 
throw a thermal detonator at them and get them all. Like they would scatter, they would surround me. I thought they were pretty good AI, especially for 2002. I would chuckle to myself when they would surround me after I've just mowed down 80 of their friends with my lightsaber. That's and one of them would yell, we've got you surrounded. I'm like, oh, bud. Yeah. Oh, come on, my guy. No, yeah. no. Sorry, though. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. That's a good point. But yeah, <laughs> but I, I think you're right. For the most part, they would just kind of run at you. Um, but they yeah. they actually then would, you know, get to different sides of you, uh, run to get uh, behind cover, things like that, uh, that were good. Uh, I always love a game that, that makes its characters run away from you, though. Anytime you've got a game and uh, if you kill, you know, seven of eight stormtroopers in a room and the eighth decides to run away. Oh, yeah. That that is AI that I love. Yeah. And that goes back to episode four, right? Where yeah. Han, Han and Chewie, or I guess Han primarily running down the Death Star, not trench, hallway. And all of a sudden the stormtroopers turn around and start running. Them. Yeah, exactly. Oh, so good. Anyway, uh, so is Luke like the Jedi principal? Of the Jedi Academy? What's yes. his deal? Is that what he does all day? Superintendent. Got it. Okay. So okay. So he's just kind of like running stuff, managing it, administrator of the Jedi Temple, training up some Jedis. Yes. Okay. All right. <laughs> it just seemed kind of weird when you walk in. It's like, oh, there's Luke just chilling. He is Super Nintendo Chalmers. <laughs> Got it. Cool. Also, never trust a bartender with bad grammar yes. was a line that they said in this oh, as if that, that was, was like... You know what you know, dad always says. That was painful. Well, I didn't um, understand that. And that that was such a weird character because his tick that he had was that he, he pluralized everything. Right. You Jedis come in here's and shoot your lightsabers at my faces. Right. And it was like, I don't think that's a realistic tick. Never trust a bartender with bad grammar, though. That's how you knew he was a bad guy. He was all a setup for that terrible line. Yeah, and it's like a lot of Yoda's verbiage where it's like, you yeah. know how to say this right. You're purposefully doing this wrong. You know how to say it. Because you're living within the, your own rules yeah. within the English language. So you're constantly inverting this participle. Anyway, yeah. it's not, it doesn't make sense. doesn't make sense. But um, that's fine, and I love Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing's um, wrong with it. Yeah. Oh, one thing that was really rewarding about watching uh, the uh, interview was while they're doing the interview, the interviewer is actually playing through one of the levels. He's doing the uh, Nar Shaddaa level. And they're commenting on like, wow, this level is really hard. Yeah, I don't think I could beat this level anymore. I can't believe how, wow, we made this level really hard, didn't we? Like, just reflecting yep. on it. It's like, yeah, you sure did. Wow. Uh, as as the interviewer was just save scumming through the entire thing, he would like shoot a guy and then press save and then shoot another guy and press save. It was amazing. Yeah, dude, so much saves coming. Um, so we did eventually beat it, and I enjoyed I I enjoyed the uh, the God mode and the cheats and all that, uh, mainly because I just got to open up the lightsaber a lot sooner. Um, yeah, that was one constant ding I heard on this game was like it just takes too long to get to the lightsaber, and evidently originally it took even longer, and they uh, they rearranged the levels and the Narshada level you originally were not supposed to have a lightsaber, so they moved it forward and kind of changed things around. So you get the Jedi, Jedi Temple pretty quickly within the first three or four hours. Yeah. yeah. Which I thought that was cool. Those puzzles were pretty neat. Oh, yeah. The Jedi Temple puzzles were great. Yeah, definitely. Uh, also, introduction to Swamp Troopers towards the end of the game. Dude. Those were tight. Those were great. Like, you camouflaged Stormtroopers, basically, is what they were. And I cannot imagine doing those levels without cheats on, even with a PC. Even with cheats on a PC, those games were just in like they were so open world almost. They have rocket gameplay. It's like yeah. GTA, oh but every gosh. citizen has a rocket launcher and is trying to kill you. And there's ATSTs and there's snipers that can't and be killed. There's dark Jedi, dark troopers, 
Shadow. Wait, what are they called? Shadow Troopers and Dark Jedi. I think were the two things. And there's, God. yeah, there's so much stuff that even in God mode with unlimited weapons and unlimited ammo was really difficult. That that's when you know it's probably a little too hard. Talk to me about the lightsaber battles. Okay, uh, Dark Jedi or whoever, Shadow Jedi, whatever it might be. Uh, I'm gonna try to just play straight up with a lightsaber. It took, I don't want to say half hour. It probably took like five minutes, but it was like doing the same thing over and over, expecting a different result, right? It was kind of driving me insane a little bit. So at that point, I just got on my sweet rocket launcher and just destroyed them. Yeah, no, I just felt like the lightsabers, I, I never understood it. It was never working for me. Um, but I've heard good things about uh, Fallen Order and that the yes. lightsaber action in there sounds really good. I would hope a 17-year difference would would in- increase them. I know like my favorite kind of like sword fighting lightsaber stuff, I guess, um, what was that game... Uh, Force Unleashed had really good lightsaber yeah. battles. Assassin's Creed to me is like the best sword fighting type lightsaber stuff. Not, not lightsabers, obviously, but that that mix of button mashing, but also some sort of rhythm or like up, down, left, right, like organization to how to get through a fight, but not be too easy. I don't know. So hopefully it's somewhere in there. Um, but I know you can dismember people. No, 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 no. Sorry. You can dismember I anything can't. but a person in that game. So giant yes. rats, giant yes. robots, maybe people with masks on. Ooh. Possibly. Ooh. But dismemberment with a lightsaber is something that fans have been clamoring for. I know I have for most of my life. And I continue to clamor. So we're going to get that. We might be playing that in the uh, not-so-distant future. Uh, did you know, by the way, that the the dismemberment in um, Outcast was uh, just a percentage rule? It's like 10% of the times you kill somebody with a lightsaber, they get dismembered. Wait, seriously? Yeah. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Didn't have to do with like the way you were swinging. I kept trying to swing it like, how do I swing just right to knock off their arm? Speaking of uh, KOTOR, dice rolls. Yeah. Yeah. Jeez. All right. What's the drink? What's the song? Let's do it. Let's do it. This game's pretty fun. With frustration. When I was all done, I just had to question. What's the drink? What's the song? I can't always tell. I just want to know. All right. So I'll go first. Uh, I chose Everclear, an old classic. Uh, And I chose Everclear because it's something I can't drink unless I water it down, mix it with something else. Uh, And that was my metaphor for uh, all the cheats I needed to beat this game. It's to be respected. I understand it. It is valuable. And I'm just not uh, good enough for it. I'm I'm okay with that. I don't want to be your... Stupid game. Uh, and my song is uh, called Santa Monica. With my big black boots and my old suitcase. <laughs> Gonna do the whole song. Huh. Watch the world die. Watch the world die. All right. So uh, I went with, so recently I discovered that our Burger King in town has a one of those cool drinking fountains that the future holds where you can like oh my gosh, yes. press whatever drink you want and whatever syrup you want and whatever order and it like blows my mind every time yes so once a week i take our uh, youngest daughter i have mornings with her everyone else is at school so i'll take her there and we'll like split some french fries or something and i let her press the buttons on that crazy coke machine That's so good and so i went i went there in the evening recently i didn't want to stay up late because i'm an early riser with the children so I went diet caffeine free Coke with a shot of cherry syrup and uh, and a little Di Sorono. So oh, nice. <laughs> I had to add that at home. Uh, but yeah, this game reminded me of that in a lot of ways. But <laughs> what are those ways, Ben? It's dark. Okay. It's also sweet and fun. 
Uh-huh. Uh, it doesn't really have enough substance to kind of really compare or hold up to the things that it reminds me of. Okay. Whether that's really whiskey or really a Coke or really yep. caffeine. Yep. It's really close to those things that I hold dear, though. Yep. Uh, and even though there's fun along the way, it can be a little frustrating if held under kind of close scrutiny. Uh, it kind of tends to fall apart. And so it's it's a drink that I would have very rarely. I think it's the only time I've ever had it. But um, fun, but also not quite as fun as it could be. How's that? Diet orange cream soda. Is that yours? At Wendy's? Oh, man. Or, Sorry. No, no. I just discovered the crazy drinking fountain thing at Burger King. What do yeah. I know? Yeah. I live in the middle of nowhere. So my song, <laughs> uh, I first heard about this song in kind of the, the beginning scenes of Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse last year. And it's Sunflower by Post Malone and Sway Lee. And the song, the lyrics are not great, but it's still catchy as hell. Uh, and it's about a man struggling in his turbulent relationship that's pretty unhealthy with this woman. And in this case, went through the lyrics and kind of uh, adapted them to be actually pretty appropriate for Kyle and his relationship with his lightsaber. Oh my gosh. I'm, I'm excited. Yeah, it's his lightsaber. And I mean, the, the, the first verse talks about every time I'm leaving on you, uh, you don't make it easy. No, no. I uh, mm. wish I could be there for you. You give me a reason to go. Every time I'm walking out, I can hear you telling me to turn around, fighting for my trust. You won't back down, even if we got to risk it all right now. Oh, I know you're scared of the unknown. Yes. You don't want to be alone. I know I always come and go, right? Leaving the lightsaber with Luke. Should I take it? Should I not? But it's out of my control. And you'll be left in the dust unless I stuck by you. You're a sunflower, like you're holding a flower. Okay. Right on top, just like a lightsaber. I think your love would be too much, or you'll be left in the dust unless I stuck by you. You're the sunflower. So Wow. Uh, I could see Kyle on maybe a, a long, lonely ride uh, to Coruscant, writing a little ode to his, his lightsaber that he continually leaves behind. He's not sure if he should take with him. If it's left in the dust, would his love for it be too much? Would it overwhelm him? And at the end of the game, he decides to take his lightsaber with him. He might need it. What's your song? I've never felt older than when I've heard someone say Post Malone. Because, like, as soon as somebody says, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, I was listening to this Post Malone song, and I'm just like, I... No. That just sounds exhausting. Like... Yes. Is that a rapper? Is that country? What is a Post Malone? I don't... Yeah. Oh, I'm done. Aren't I'm we all done. Post Malone at this point? I don't... I don't... Yeah, the 90s were a long time ago. Yeah. Malone Stockton, so good. So good. So... Oh, my gosh. MVP over Jordan, though? Mm, mm, not sure about yeah, that. Yeah, maybe not. Anyway. Maybe not. Um, I went with a song called Satellite by the Dave Matthews Band. Satellite. So first I chose it because, uh, playing that riff, which I used to be good at. Uh, I used to be really I bad at it. I could, I could play it. And like I tried the other day, and I was just like, nope, my fingers don't do that anymore. No, it has been over a, a decade since I really played guitar at all. Yeah. Like, no. wow. And so just thinking of like what I could do when I was younger, how much I would have enjoyed this game 15 years ago as opposed to now, and just just feeling very old. But the other is, you know, hey, satellite space. Um, I could riff on that, but, you know, <laughs> you get it. Uh, oh! It's, it's 11 o'clock. I got to be up in like seven yeah, no. hours. Man. We got it. We I mean, got it. We got to make that connection. Come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a satellite. Yeah. And like when things in space crash into me, 
Yeah, no, I get it. That makes sense. Yes. Uh, cool. So, what do we have next? Picking See, the next. No, what else we're playing? What else are you playing? Oh, dude. Uh, get ready, everyone. Get ready for JRPGs. Maybe you keep it light. Keep it light. It's late, remember? Uh, Shin Megami Tensei 4 or Suikoden 2. Keep it light. Oh my gosh, I've been playing both. Is your segment done yet? So I finished Shin Megami Tensei 4. Yep. Uh, I, I bought myself a Nintendo 3DS for my birthday and played through Shin Megami Tensei 4. Uh, got the chaos ending, went back, played it through from a previous save, got the neutral ending, which is incredibly difficult to do, and uh, beat the whole game on neutral, unlocked the resurrection of the true goddess of Tokyo. It was amazing. Um, but then I went back to Suikoden 2, a game that I had not played in a month or two. And it is such a good game. Suikoden 2 is, is like, it's up there. I'm realizing on kind of favorite games in terms of story and what it does. There's some really cool mechanics. Um, the Suikoden series, the entire idea is that there are 108 different um, party members that you can kind of enlist and bring to your side. And in the first Suikoden, it's, it's just kind of a game mechanic. Like, you meet somebody in a village, and, and you're like, hey, you want to join my club? And they're like, yeah, I'll fight with you. I can do this cool, like, dragon attack. Like, you're like, dude, you're on my side. Let's. This is great. Dragon attack. Let's do this all day. And it's a fun game, and, and it's got a story, and it's great. So we get into just, like, ups that to the next level, where you've got a somewhat realistic version of being a kid who actually becomes a general, like, while he's still teenager. And everybody's remarking on that, like, I'm not going to follow you, you're like a teenager. This is ridiculous. But you seem to have this special magnetic charismatic power that unites people and gets them to want to fight with you. That's your magic power, is like, you can inspire people. And so, it actually works that central game mechanic into the story in this nice way, that you're actually trying to to kind of make the story happen through the gameplay. I love it when those things come together. It does it so well in this game. I don't want to spoil it for you, but oh my gosh, the levels of betrayal in this game are so heart-wrenching and beautiful when a character who is once a member of your team and is so beloved and is so amazing turns against you and becomes like the ultimate evil, and yet you can kind of see their side the whole time. Oh, You're that's like, cool. I, man, I really wonder what it was that turned him. Like, Because I know that he's fighting for a greater good. He thinks that if he joins the larger army, he'll be able to end the war sooner. And therefore save more lives. Mm. But no, he's fighting for the bad guys, and, and it's important. Like, and it makes you second guess yourself. Um, right, there's this one moment early on that just kind of gives you a vibe for how this game works. You and your friend uh, are basically in like um, the uh, Cub Scouts or something, and your entire troop is murdered in this sense that said keep it light. Light. So the government has <laughs> set it up so that it seems like an opposing government killed this Boy Scout troop, so that they can go to war with this opposing government. So the two of you escape. You're the only witnesses who say, no, 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 this was 9-11 was an inside job. I need to tell you all about it. I know it's heavy. And you and your friend get separated. He goes in with his family and um, you meet them later and they've adopted him. And the little girl in the family calls him uncle. And like, it's really sweet. And she's the cutest little girl. And the parents are great. And like, they're just like really encouraging and nice in these subtle ways. And the little girl brings you aside and says, hey, um, could you do something for me? I'm not big enough to go to the next town over, but last time we were there, I saw this doll, and I think my dad would really like it for his birthday if I got him this doll. 
So I've saved up my money and here it is. Can you go get this doll for me? And so you can accept the quest or not, but you accept the quest, you go over to the town and you, she gives you like $50 or whatever, you know, in-game money it is to buy this thing. And the guy's like, yeah, it's 400. And you're like, do you pay it or not? Like, yeah, you know, I'm going to buy this little toy for the kid. Like, who cares that I have no money right now? Because it's early sure. game. And I'm like, you know, this is, this is a kind of sweet story. I like that the game pauses for these kind of real life moments. And you go back into the, the village to, like, give it to the girl. And the entire village is burned down. Wow. And she is left there alone, sobbing in the middle of the rubble. Okay. And she's this cute girl who is just, like, talkative and fun and everything. Like, she delivers a couple lines to let you know that, like, her parents were murdered and she saw it. And then she stops talking. And she goes with you for the rest of the game, not talking. And she's this little icon that shows up as being part of your convoy, but not part of your party. Just somebody who's kind of along for the ride. And every time you look at it, like, her, the expression has changed in her picture. Everybody gets, like, one picture. And it's them, like, smiling, like, action, like, hey, we're going to do this thing. And hers has changed from this big smiling face to just her looking like she's crying. And she's there the whole time. And every time that she interacts, it just says dot, dot, dot. Of her not saying anything. Dude. And it's like, that turn, pretty early game, like three hours in, like, it just raises the stakes. You're like, wow, this is a game that's going to go some places. So, it's really good. Reminds me of Kuriko Village. It's Kuriko Village? From Breath of the Wild, dude. Okay. Yes. The two little that. kids running around. Yep. And they're like, that. have you seen my mom? Oh my gosh, like, it's that. Oh, I'll go look for her. <laughs> yep. 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 Oh, see, so you got that far. That's right. Oh, I got yeah. That far. That's Co- about as far as Co- I got. Co- I was like, oh, this this game is really dark. Cool. 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 Yeah, cool. Cool. Yeah, cool. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Uh, oh. I've been playing. Uh, so, buddy of mine, friend of the friend of the show, friend of the podcast, GFOP, a fault, uh, <laughs> has recently graduated. Oh, Tyler Weaver, I should say, uh, graduated with his degree in doctory. Uh, and has set out on his own to become a said doctor, and he mm. is a ear, nose, and throat ologist in Portland and the surrounding area. So good for him. He just started this past couple weeks working in private practice. That's awesome. And he has time in the evenings. He's not working 80 hours a week, like 24-hour straight shifts in residency like he has been the last 27 years straight or whatever. So we can have a friendship and a relationship again. It's really beautiful to see. So I and he and his wife... Uh, we have been playing Rocket League this week. We played two times Dope. for an hour and a half each, and it's super fun. I feel like I'm like 13 again, just like playing a random soccer game or like NHL hockey or like some random game that has nothing to do with the rest of my life kind of thing, you know? It's just super fun game mechanic with my best friends. And so we've been playing it online, and yeah, just super fun to just kind of like veg out and play with friends a random game with no story at all. It's just like a soccer with cars. That game sounds so stupid and so awesome. And yeah, never that's exactly it, what like, it is. That's just amazing. Yeah. You no, know, it's soccer, there's... but with cars. Boom. Yeah. yeah. It's, and I don't know how they match skill levels and stuff. Cause I've never lost like 20 to one or something. It's always pretty right. close, which is, is cool. Um, but you always feel stupid and like, you're not good enough, but you also always have a cool moment. Where you're like, oh, I did that on purpose and I scored or whatever. So really fun rocket league. It's not news to anyone. It's been around. Everyone loves it. It's fun. Anyway, <laughs> Uh, but the relationship aspect of that, I've been loving this week. What's the next game? Uh, Corey's picking it because we made her play Star Wars and that didn't work out. So <laughs> she's picking the next game. Uh, and then we're also picking, <clears throat> spoiler alert, we're picking Star Wars. Uh, Star Wars. What's it, what's it called? Uh, Jedi Knight 7, Jedi Academy 2, Jedi Fallen Order. That's the one. Yeah. So it comes out middle of November and we'll be playing that in December and January. And we'll release that episode with Tyler Weaver on the pod. 
first Friday in February 2020, which is forever from now. But before then, we're going to have a Christmas episode or holiday episode, whatever holiday you might be celebrating uh, in December. And then first weekend in December, we will be playing and releasing our episode on The Stanley Parable. Stan the Stanley Parable, yeah. Came out in 2013, I believe. And I will say to all listeners, if you've not played it before, go read nothing about this game. Yeah. I wish then, I knew less. And then go play it. Yep. Um yep. that it it is just a game meant to kind of surprise you as to what games can do and what they're about. Available on Steam now. Uh and they're currently working on a it's supposed to be released like any week now. You know it'll be released like the day we we play it and release an episode about it. Uh but a console version. So Xbox, PlayStation. Uh, and maybe even GameCube. If it comes out in 2019, I'll buy your copy for you. What? I, I just don't believe that it'll actually come out in 2019. Oh, uh, okay. I get it. It's like, how can I get money out of Jason? Yeah. So hopefully they come out and Jason just has to buy thousands of copies for anyone that listens to this in Wait, the no, next that was uh, just, two months. Oh no. Oh no. Good times. <laughs> Cause we have so many listeners that might happen. I'm excited. Anyway, that's what we're playing next month. Uh, as always, you can find us on our website at menoflowmoralfiber.com. Uh, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, all the links are on our website. You can email us if you have any comments, questions, concerns at momfpod at gmail.com. That's M-O-L-M-M-P-O-D at gmail.com. <laughs> and check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash M-O-L-M-F. Uh, yeah, a place where if you want to throw us a, cu- a couple dollars a month, we would be eternally grateful and we'll be able to put more time and effort and love uh, into this thing that Jason and I and Corey really love doing together. Look for a special video this week on our Patreon page uh, in which I explained that that I was saying I'm buying a copy for you, Ben, not you, all of our listeners. Oh, interesting. Uh, interesting. Whole video series on that. Yeah, yeah, but you have to pay at least $5 a month to receive that video series. Absolutely. All right. As always, thanks again for joining us, uh, and we will see you next month. I have been Ben. I will be Jason. And I am a mighty pirate. And if the Jedi ways were easy, there'd be millions of us instead of dozens. There are dozens of us. There are dozens of us. <laughs> All right. See you. We look at Death Stranding, by the way. I saw an interview with uh, Hideo Kojima. Yes. Where it was Conan going to him. And Conan's actually in the game, by the way. Yep. Yeah. But they, they walk in and it's just like a warehouse of cubicles and people working on Death Stranding. This is a few months ago, six months ago. And it's just, they've been doing that for years and years and years. Hundreds of people working full-time or more on this game that's going to be released ne- this month, right? Yeah. Friday. Yeah, so AAA November games 8th. at least. Yeah, a year. Thousands of people working full-time for years and years at this point. And there's still only 60 bucks. Conan has the great line, I know what you're thinking. Do you have an otter on your head or are you just happy to see me? The answer is both. <laughs> I cannot believe um, he's in that game. I, I just remember t- talking to you about this game last week and your reaction just being like, what are you talking about? Nothing you say makes any sense, Jason. I'd heard of the game like a year or two ago and I was like, oh, that'll be cool someday, like a new Metal Gear. And then I saw like commercials and trailers for it a few weeks ago. It like snuck up on me. I was like, this is not Metal Gear. This is like future pizza delivery man game. I'm so confused. See, the thing is you can get attacked by like ravagers in the wild sure who uh because you're trying to deliver these packages and you're like oh so clearly they are you know in the wastelands they have nothing and so they want to take the thing you're delivering and what do they want to do with that then what what would you guess uh eat it no deliver it themselves because they became (laughs) addicted to the concept of delivering things because they're ex-amazon workers 
that were worked over by Amazon. I get it. And got addicted to that that dopamine hit of delivering things. So they want to steal your packages and deliver them for you. Bezos Stranding. Uh, yeah. Yeah, no, it's a commentary. Um, Jeff. Jeff Stranding would have been better. Anyway, yeah. uh, let's talk about the game that we played this month. I don't know. I've, I've enjoyed talking about a game I've never played <laughs> and will not for a long time. I've watched hours of trailers oh and previews and interviews and playthroughs and demos. I can't and- with that game. I just can't. Like, I want to and I don't want to. All of it. It's my uh, JRPG for you, by the way. Oh, can't wait also, to talk about Shin Megami Tensei 4. Best part about that, I don't have a PlayStation, so I can't even play this game that Beautiful. I'm obsessed with. You should buy the controller then. What? You The the cool controller I sent you, the Death Stranding controller that has a baby inside of it. Oh, the game? But the, yeah. it would go to a console that I don't own. Yes, no, that's cool. what I'm stressing. Okay, got it, like, got it. For the, for the game you're not going to buy, you should get the controller. I'm excited. That you can't use. I'm excited. All right, let's get back to uh, Jedi Outcast. Here we go, Jason. All of that. It's perfect. This is, um, all, this is all staying in. Oh, good. <laughs> stick it after the, after the credits, after the closing. Don't tell me where to stick it. Yeah. 